0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Into the Fray. We had an
1: eventful week. As always I'm Daniel Mirabel here with... I'm Eli Kleinman. Today we will be getting into a 2014 redraft. We will be looking at the Kansas Jayhawks but first we will discuss March Madness. We are down to four UCLA Being the biggest surprise The 11 seed They will face Gonzaga tomorrow night And before that Baylor and Houston In the Battle of Texas Will face off So I mean I think It's certainly been an interesting tournament Ended up with a lot of chalk At the end Two one seeds and a two seed Not all that different from most years But UCLA is the big surprise But I think let's start with our discussion about some of the top prospects. Obviously, Cade Cunningham has been eliminated. He was eliminated since we last talked. Didn't play great. Now, Evan Mobley is eliminated. He was probably the number two prospect on our board. What is your thoughts on Evan Mobley's tournament and specifically the way he played against Gonzaga? Gonzaga, yeah. Um, Well, no one played well against
0: Gonzaga. But Evan, I I mean, I think it's kind of what we've grown to expect from him he's he's not that he doesn't have that killer instinct he's not going to take over a game like I was saying and that's just what we have to expect from him now he's a he's a solid player he sees the court well he, he's very he's very poised and you're going to get a good game from him but not a great game and that's unfortunate for USC you were really hoping he would take over that game and assert himself and maybe go for close to 30 and maybe that would have helped a bit more but I mean USC is not you know There might be some misconceptions. It's not just Evan Mobley's team. There are some very good players on that team, which is why they got as far as they did. But, I mean, Evan played fine throughout the tournament. There were a few 10, 12-point games from him. But it's what he does on the defensive end and the offensive end. He deters shots. His impact doesn't show up on the stat sheet. So while you look at the box score, you're like, hmm, is this guy really the second pick? I still say, yeah. I would say, you know... He has those intangibles. He's got the he's got the NBA body that you're looking for or at least not, you know, he's not super built yet. He's still pretty scrawny. But but he's a 7-footer nonetheless. He's got a lot of potential and I don't think the the tournament or his performances in that is going to change any way GMs or NBA scouts view him.
1: See, I, I don't know if I want to move him down in the mock draft, but I'm very close to doing so. Evan Mobley is a project, and I don't mean just a one-year project. It is a multi-year project. He is not ready for the NBA. That is what I learned from the Gonzaga game. I love Evan Mobley. He was the star player on my favorite team this season. But he looked awful against Gonzaga, not just bad. No, no, awful, and here's why. I don't expect him to take over the game scoring. That's not who he is. You said that. He averaged 18 points in high school. Scoring was not his first... Instinct, however, in the NCAA tournament, his passing just looked a little off, and I that that's fixable. But there were several passes, and it wasn't just one or two, it was more than a handful that just weren't in the right place all the time, and it Forced his teammates either into hard shots or no shot at all. I mean, when you get double teamed or even when you don't, but you have an open guy running towards the basket, you need to hit him in stride. And he missed some of those passes. And that's a concern, especially for someone who's not a scorer. The other concern is the way Drew Timmy played. And I know Drew Timmy is a great player in college basketball. But Evan has flaws defensively. And Gonzaga exposed them all. Mm -hmm. First of all, he has such a mentality to go for blocks and he gets them more often than not in college basketball, but that's not going to happen in the NBA. So the two problems with that is a, he jumps, he always jumps. And it has forced him into foul trouble. Occasionally. It has opened up backdoor passes to players cutting to the basket. And it has allowed teams to out rebound USC, grab offensive rebounds when they shouldn't. And It's not just Evan jumping at his man that he's guarding. He jumps at everyone down in the paint. And the problem with that is is it just leaves a lot open. And if you're jumping at someone else's guy, then there's no one guarding the guy that you were supposed to be on. So there's clearly flaws to his defensive game. He has a lot of talent and a lot of potential. But it's, it's it's a work in progress defensively. And his offense is just as much a work in progress. I mean, I think Drew Timmy showed he is a polished player around the rim. Evan is not. Evan has a lot of work to do to become a sufficient scorer. I I think, frankly, because I don't necessarily think it's Evan's fault, but I think because the NBA is such a guard-driven league, I would probably pick Jalen Suggs above Evan Mobley right now, and I get it. You, some people are gonna say, "Buy it," like, like that's biased off of just what after what just happened. But Jalen Suggs has an amazing finishing ability. We saw him finish with Evan Mobley in the area, and it's just the fact is, as a guard is just more important in the NBA than it than a center. Evan is a great finishing piece on a good team with other stars, but. Evan Mobley will never be the star that leads his team. Jalen Suggs has the potential with another player. Yes, he does. So you say he does, and I know that I understand that. But he has shown flashes that Evan Mobley, just as a center, can't do. Just There are just moments with Jalen Suggs where you say, that guy can be a point guard that leads his team with maybe a great wing. Evan Mobley with a great wing is not leading his team to to very much. He he needs another two players. That's my thing, right? Evan needs two players. I could see a situation where Jalen Suggs can be the other player, and that's why I I'm not moving Jalen Suggs up, but I see why it would make sense.
0: No, I and I get where you're coming from, and, and you know we don't want to. It's difficult because he is on the best team right now Jalen Suggs and he's got two other really great players on his team right now so I know you know is it his teammates helping him look better is he maybe helping them look better? you know it's just it's difficult no one really can tell until he's on a different team and until they're in the NBA and we'll see you know which GM made the right decision um it's hard to tell
1: yeah, no, and one thing I'll add is, you know, ath- the best athletes right now tradition, typically play multiple sports, and I don't think there's a better example than that than Jalen Suggs. I mean, he was a quarterback in high school who had offers from some of the best schools in the nation, including Ohio State, which just lost in the national title game. So I think that shows you how athletic, how much of a athlete, how skilled he is and Evan has all those same things it's just the difference is a guard versus a center it's just it's just more important to be a guard right now in the NBA
0: yeah and I think Evan's gonna draw a lot of interest I mean because he's Evan but also because he does possess a lot of those guard like skills you know yes Evan no, there, was- there's no debating I, I feel like Evan is the best center prospect since Towns and that's been six years now I mean who else would it be DeAndre Ayton? I don't think so
1: no but I'm not sure how much better he'll be than James Wiseman that's just the truth like I agree he's a a better prospect coming out but I'm not sure that Evan Mobley is that much better of a player than James Wiseman if James Wiseman puts it all together like when Wiseman is put it all together I'm not sure Evan Mobley will be much better than that and I think the similarities between the two are there's a There's a couple, and I think both of them are projects. They're not instant stars. You know, we see, you know, players come out of the draft to meet instant hits, you know. Neither of them is winning rookie of the year, I'll say that.
0: Right, no, I agree. I think they're going to have a very similar, or Evan's going to have a similar impact to um, Wiseman that that he's having this year with the Warriors. Um, But I I don't want this to be an Evan Mobley podcast. Um, So you did mention, I do want to mention, you brought his name up. Drew Timmy. I mean, what is going on with this guy? I mean, he's quite possibly, or he's quite possibly been the best player in the tournament thus far. Uh, He's averaging, I think, 21 points per game, four assists, eight rebounds, and he's shooting over 62% from the floor. Uh, And you know who that reminds me of? Another Gonzaga former big, DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, I mean, he's been excellent. He really has. Uh, I'd go so far as to say Timmy's Yeah, been Gonzaga's best player. And, you know, a lot of people are going to go, whoa. There weren't even talks that he was going to be drafted, that he was going to stay another year. But he's got to enter his name into the draft this year, right? After this. Yeah,
1: I think so, for sure. I think
0: he'll draw a ton of interest.
1: Uh, He's not. Or go on.
0: Yeah, I think he'll draw a ton of interest. He's having a great tournament. He didn't have a bad regular season, but he's having an amazing tournament. He's showing up when it counts. And then there's also that extra component of the possibility of Chet Holmgren coming in next season, and there will just be less opportunities next year. So I think it'd be advantageous for him.
1: Yeah, so I'd say this Andrew Timmy. I don't think he's nearly as athletic as Sabonis. Actually, I can say he is not as athletic as Sabonis. He is not going to be as skilled as Sabonis. I think his floor is a lot lower... I, I think his ceiling and his floor are probably lower than Sabonis' has ever were. But what I will say is this. he reminds, He's one of the smartest players on the court, and he's so nimble for a big man. I mean, he was guarding Tajidi, USC's guard who was playing point guard. I mean, that's so impressive. In the first play of the game, he took poked the ball out and took it down to the other end. I think he missed the layup, but it doesn't matter. It's the point that he stole and then dribbled it all the way down the court. He reminds me similarly, and he's better, but he's just a, a very much better Cameron Crutwig, who was gaining all the attention after Loyola Chicago beat Illinois. He They're a very similar player, very smart players. They know what to do, high basketball IQ, and very good at finishing around the rim. That, that's where I see him. Maybe at the end of this round, I think I'd be happier if I was a team if I picked him in the second round, but he definitely has a future in the NBA somewhere with well, the one other name before we move on, that I'll quickly mention is I was impressed by Corey Kispert as well in the USC game. I mean, he did not shoot well from three. He shot, he only made hit, hit on, hit on three threes. He shot over 10, but he still put up 18 points. And so I think, you know, he showed a little bit that he's a little bit more than just a one dimensional player. He, he's more than just a shooter. And he had the task of guarding Evan Mobley for, Multiple for significant portions of the game, and he did so very well. I mean, Evan Mobley had 13 until the last couple minutes when the game was already well in hand. So I think that's a good news for Corey Kispert. I think he's gonna be a great player. I mean, as a Warriors fan, I would love to see him be on Golden State because I think he fits the team perfectly.
0: One more name I'll throw out there: Johnny Juzang. I mean, you've seen what he's doing with UCLA. I mean, what do you think his draft stock is looking like? He tra he was a, he's a sophomore. He transferred after riding Kentucky's bench last season. I mean, he could be a realistic first round pick. I mean, he's looked great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, That's definitely the case. It'll be interesting to see, you know, March Madness is where stars are born. I mean, you know, Dante DiVincenzo was not going to be drafted until his breakout performances. So it'll be interesting to see. But speaking of being drafted, where yep. are we headed next.
0: Moving on. Well, actually, wait. Before, before we move on, I feel like we should give our predictions for what will happen
1: in the Final Four in the championship. I've said it since the first weekend of the tournament. Since the first two days of the tournament. It's Gonzaga's world and everyone else in college basketball is living in it. Gonzaga will play Baylor, but no one's stopping Gonzaga. It's just its just not, like, unless Baylor decides to hit 100% of their shots, Baylor has a chance if they can connect on threes the way they've been able to at points in the season. But I still think Gonzaga just has too many weapons. If they need to, they'll find a way. I got, I'm got i not picking against Gonzaga.
0: Yeah, I find it hard to believe that there's any chance that it won't be Baylor and Gonzaga. Uh, you know, that little piece in me, wants to be like, Baylor can pull it off. I like Davion Mitchell. I like Jared Butler. You know, I want to root for the underdog because Gonzaga's been a powerhouse this season. It's just, I don't see it happening. You're right. They've got too much firepower. They play well together. Uh, They destroyed USC in transition. It was embarrassing. Uh, I felt bad watching. Um, And USC had just dominated their previous games. So if that's any indication of how the rest of the tournament's going to go for Gonzaga... Um, I wouldn't bet against them, no. Yeah, so we'll see. Yep, so with that, let's move on to, we've done a few of these now. I think we started at 2010. Now we're on to 2014. We'll be redrafting the 2014 NBA draft. The first few years of this draft class looked like it was, yet again, another disappointment. But, but you know, over the last few seasons, a lot of these players have taken, I would say, enormous leaps. Um, I'd go so far as saying this 2014 class will go down as, One of the elite draft classes, especially the top two players. Um, You know, in previous redrafts we've done, we've struggled to find, we've really struggled to find just 10 noteworthy players. But for this one, I was, you know, I make my list and I found over 20 guys. So it was pretty hard leaving off some of these guys. Um, So with the first pick, it's the Cavs. This is right before LeBron came back. What are you doing?
1: You've got the first pick. I'm picking the best center available I know you're going to disagree with this the only thing I can see disagreeing with this is because he's been hurt too much and that is a fair thing but when you're in number one you need to take the best player available and that's Joel Embiid he is an absolute star for Philadelphia he can do it all finishing inside shooting the three I know you're going to say Nikola Jokic can do the same things but Joel Embiid's a better defender And that's what it comes down to. Joel Embiid rounds out his game better than Nikola Jokic does. And for that reason, Joel Embiid goes number one. You're not taking Maple Jordan? All right, all right. Well, look, we could argue all
0: day whether Jokic or Embiid is the better player. uh, But there's no arguing that these two are the best players to come out of this class. I think that's pretty clear. Um, And I'm going with Jokic. I think the fit is a little wonky. um, But with this level of talent, and you could go either way. I'm not going to debate over that. Um, with the talent level, I'm not sure the fit even matters. I side, you know, like you said, I side with Jokic over Embiid because I do like the versatility a bit more. And that doesn't mean Joel Embiid isn't versatile. It's just Jokic is one of those centers that we've never seen before. I mean, he really is a point center, which is crazy. Uh, and it does co- It comes down to the durability for me. Uh, let's not forget, Embiid didn't play until 2016. And this is the 2014 NBA draft because of those injuries he had. Um, I think Kyrie LeBron and Jokic is an incredibly intriguing lineup, having that many playmakers on the court at, uh, at one time. And then I'm assuming Jokic would still be on the team now if this is 2014. Um, so they would have a little bit more to look forward to than with Kevin Love, who they have now, which is what they did with this pick
1: essentially. So, yeah. So, so, uh, you know, I know you have Embiid for number two. I have Jokic in number two. The one thing I'll say is that, obviously Embiid has played a lot less games he's played almost 200 less games than Nikola Jokic but when he's on the court he's averaging 25 points per game over his career Nikola Jokic is only averaging 18 so sure you know and and Jokic has been a lot better recently but I guess that my point goes to show is Jokic hasn't been that good like when Embiid was hurt early in his career Jokic wasn't exactly a star then so I guess I'd say that it wasn't a huge. I don't. I don't think it's that big of an impact that Embiid wasn't on the court. It could. Yeah. Um, it could go either way. Whatever system yeah. they fit better in at the time. Yeah, absolutely. But Jokic you know, is my number two. Like you said, these two are clearly above the rest. And so there's just no question that these two own the top two picks.
0: Yep. All right. 76ers have the third pick. Who are you taking?
1: I am taking Zach Levine. Look, it's. i I mean you know some people may disagree that he's not a good enough defender he's been inconsistent but he was an all-star this year and he's a very talented player he's ability to do a lot of things on the court that very few players do and frankly it is a guard league and while the centers do dominate this draft at the top because they are just by far and away the best players He's a guard who you can rely on to be your primary scorer, and that's what you're looking for at the top of the draft. So Zach Levine goes number three.
0: Yep, exactly. Uh, Let's not forget how bad the 76ers were just five to six years ago. Uh, This is around the time I think they went 10-72. and So this is not the 76ers team with the plethora of talent that we know today. This is a horrible team. So they needed everything. They really did. Um, And I'm not crazy about this pick, um, but like you, I've got them taking Zach Levine. They really needed that spark like an athletic player who could score at a high level on all three levels uh, and provide at least like that sliver of hope that they needed for the franchise. And, and I do think that Levine would have given them that centerpiece to rebuild their franchise around. So I guess that's the key takeaway when this with this pick, you needed something um, yeah. and beads off the board. That's what they that's who they took. But L- Levine's been a solid player, even though in the just the last couple of years, he's emerged as a, a great scorer and a primary option on offense. He's he's always been a good player.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair, and he has been. So let's move on to number four. Orlando has this pick. They picked Aaron Gordon originally. There is an argument. I mean, I, I don't think a good one, but I'd say there's an argument to make that he could, in theory, stay at this pick. I don't have him here. At number four, though, I do have him sticking with a power forward, and I have him taking Julius Randle. Julius Randle, for the inconsistencies he's had over his career, especially after that terrible injury in his first game, he is averaging 17 points a game and over nine rebounds and over three assists. That's actually a really impressive stat line, especially for the top of the draft. I mean, you know, usually there's only one or two, maybe three players who are excellent at the top of the draft. Julius Randle, makes it a clear four and there's more to come. I I think what Julius Randle does so well is just, he is so versatile. I mean, he's not exactly the best defender, but he's really come into his own in New York. He's been a star on this Knicks team that is exceeding expectations. I mean, they're exceeding every expectation. Their talent level doesn't nearly match up with what they actually are looking like on the court. So, I'm really impressed by how he's played this season, and I think he's the fourth pick in the draw. Yeah, um, you're going to hate me for this. I, the Magic, I've got them at
0: four. Um, hear me out, I've got them taking Marcus Smart. Uh, and no, this is not me being a biased Celtics fan. Uh, and no, Maybe a little bit. Maybe uh, a little bit. I don't know, I was com- campaigning to try to get him traded, so... Uh, But no, no, he's not as talented as a guy like Wiggins, and he doesn't put up the numbers of a guy like Randall. Um, But his impact is undeniable, and I think everyone would recognize that. If you look back, Orlando actually had a pretty promising young core in 2014. They had Vucevic, Oladipo, Tobias Harris, and Evan Fournier, which is a really good team if you put all those guys on the same team right now. But what they were missing was that point guard, uh, like a glue guy. Uh, and that's exactly where Marcus Smart fits on this team. They they wouldn't need him to be a twenty point per game scorer. They've got those guys. What they needed was an identity on offense and defense, which is what Smart would have given them. I actually, I really do think it's a perfect fit. See, I
1: I I I understand what you're saying, but I completely disagree, and this is why. I don't, you can't, when you have the fourth pick in the draft, you can't look for perfect fit. You can't look for the scrappy defensive guy. You need to pick the best player available. And if it's a person who also can put up 20 points, you do that. I mean, because just the simple fact of the matter is they're like the NBA is a offensive league. You need scores and, you know, even teams without great defensive players can win games if they have enough scoring Marcus Smart's a great player, but picking him in the fourth pick in the draft, to be your glue guy is a mistake. And I get it, a fit on the magic then sounds good. But the truth is, is those guys were not what they are now, what they were then. You didn't know that they needed another score. They can always use more scoring. And frankly, I don't if you pick a glue guy or a defensive guy in at number four. Yeah, I I think you're making a huge mistake. I think that's kind of what the Cavs did with a coral. But okay, let's I look agree. at it let's I look at it. I don't think he, sure, he but was the best for
0: Let's look at draft. it this way. Do you think the Magic would have won more games that year if they had picked Smart versus Randall?
1: But I just maybe in one year, but I don't I mean frankly, I'm not sure. You know, we don't even know what Julius Randall's rookie season even looked like because yeah. he got hurt instantly. But I mean, I think you have to look a lot more long term than one year. I, I, like, unless, I mean, even the Warriors, I think, had to look, should have looked more long term than just one year. Because the truth of the matter is, is even a team with as many stars as that can't be just looking one year in the future. They need to be looking long term. I mean, I think I, I was a proponent of selecting LaMelo Ball because James Wiseman fits a hole. But like I've been saying since we started this podcast, guards are more important mm-hmm. and I don't think you can have too many good players, even if they bulk up the same position Yeah, and I know Julius Randle's a power forward, but I think he's that much better. I think this draft in particular had more better big men than probably any draft we've seen in a long while. So, mm-hmm. you know, you go big man here, you draft Julius Randall. I don't think the Marcus smart pick is bad for the fit on that team. I just don't believe in picking fit when you're at number four.
0: Yeah. Well, Speaking of Randall, onto the Jazz at number five. I really struggled with this pick. Uh, I, I, you know, I went back and forth trying to find a player who felt right. Maybe that's the wrong thing. Maybe I should just go best player. But I'm trying to trying to work around these players on the team at the time. And so I was trying to find the right fit for this. This was the Gordon Hayward Jazz team at the time, uh, and they needed a point guard. But there really isn't one I take this high. This, the decision came down to Wiggins and Randall and i did i ultimately decided on randall and he's come a long way like you've said developing into a pretty versatile forward and he he really can do a bit of everything he's a lot like hayward you know once you get past the size uh he's a lot like hayward um he's a he's a forward he can do a bit of everything so i like the dynamic of having two forwards on the team who can handle the ball facilitate and score i think that's pretty intriguing
1: yeah, no, he, I think he really does provide an excellent skill set on that team. But he's already off the board, and that's where the number one pick comes in. It's Andrew Wiggins. I have him going five. He averages almost 20 points per game over his career. You know, sure, he may not have lived up to expectations for what the number one pick should look like, but he's been a solid player, and he, he's consistently a solid player. I think he's probably the best player still available just in terms of overall player. I would love to see him reach his potential, not just because he's on the Warriors, just because he he you see flashes of it. It's there and then it's not, and it would be great to see him reach that full potential. He has so much talent, but he still would end up in the top five because I think he's that good of a player.
0: Yeah, Andrew Wiggins, um, he's one of the most frustrating players, and, and I feel like that's caused him to be a bit overhated and underrated because people just hate on him because he's not the Kobe he was made out to be. So going on to pick six, the Celtics, I have them picking Wiggins, the former first overall pick, the next Kobe, Maple Jordan, and his career really hasn't panned out as we thought it would. But like you said, he's, he's by no means a bad player. He's grown as a defender, and throughout his career, he's been a dependable 18, 19, 20 point per game scorer. And like the Jazz, the Celtics did need a point guard, which is why they picked Smart at the time. But this is also the year that they traded for Isaiah Thomas, who just got signed uh, to the Pelicans. Super happy for him there. Uh, he he's definitely deserves to be in the league. So I'm not concerned about the point guard situation, because they were about to get Thomas. Um, and this just goes back to Danny Ainge. If you know anything about him, he loves his athletic wings. And he's got an excellent track record when it comes to hitting on and developing this kind of talent. We can see through Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. So I'm thinking the Celtics maybe could have gotten more out of Wiggins and unlocked that potential that so many saw in him heading into the draft. And you you talked about the flashes. Could the Celtics maybe have brought that out of him like they did with Tatum and Brown? Uh,
1: Who knows? Yeah, I mean, certainly the Celtics have had a very bad track record with point guards, at least in the recent years. Like, I mean, just look at Kyrie Irving. Then you have Kemba Walker. Stay away from point guard Celtics fans. Just just play five wings on the floor. Probably better off that way. But for this pick, I have Aaron Gordon. Uh, look, he, he, he doesn't really fit the NBA. He doesn't really – he's too small to be a center. He doesn't really have enough athleticism or shooting ability to be a – I mean, athleticism he has plenty of, but he's not quick enough to be – a power forward in the NBA today with players like Kevin Durant and LeBron James also playing those that position. So you look at it, it's just really tough for Aaron Gordon to fit, but he's been a solid player. I mean, you know, he, he's put up not great points, but he's just a great glue guy. He's a great fit. You know, he's one of the most athletic players in the league. You know, and I think if you put him in the right situation, I think he could thrive. I don't think putting him next to Nikola Vucevic was a great solution, but I think you know, in a different situation, potentially he has a better chance. A pick and roll with Isaiah Thomas and Aaron Gordon. Now that sounds special. Yeah, Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Moving on to the seventh
0: pick in the Lakers, I've got them picking Aaron Gordon, and I'll be honest, like you, kind of what you were saying, I'm not the I'm not the biggest Aaron Gordon fan. But with this like this Laker team specifically, they were an aging team uh, with Kobe Bryant. And they were kind of on the verge of a rebuild. And they took Randall originally. He's off the board. He's proven to be better than the seventh pick. Um, and Gordon and Randall are kind of, when you look at it, a little bit similar um, in their, in their skill set a little bit. They're both bigger wings who can do a bit of everything. I wouldn't say either are really great at anything, but they're both pretty good at everything. But, I mean, he's he's athletic, like you said, he, and he has great great uh, vision. That's one thing that people don't talk about enough. He, he really can handle the ball and bring the ball up the court. He's a good passer, especially for his size. And because of this, I can't see the Lakers passing up on him with the potential we still see on him if if he's still available at seven.
1: Yeah, and uh, at seven for me, I have the Lakers going big again. I think they'll stay with the big man. I have... Yosef Nurkic. Hey, look, I get it. He's been hurt for way too long. He's just been dealing with injuries since he came to Portland. But what we've the flashes we've seen him when he and see, he sees the court in Portland, he is one of the better big men in the NBA. I mean, he really is able to do a lot of things on the court. You know, he's he's shown flashes where he can put up about twenty points a game and ten rebounds, a nice double double. I mean, you know. Look, I get it, injury concerns, but I think you pick him and you hope he doesn't get hurt because, you know, when he's on the court, he's one of the better, he's one of the, I'll say that one of the best centers in the NBA. That's how talented he's been this when he plays.
0: Yeah, I'll let you, I, I don't have him in my top 10. I almost did. He's a great player, but exactly what you said. He, it's, it feels like he hasn't played in almost two years. It, it feels it's like been it's forever. been that long. And I, there was a stretch he had probably two years ago at this point where it was, like a legitimate argument. Is he like a top seven, six center in the league? And people were really having that argument and he's just fallen out of that. Uh, people just because forgotten. he's gotten yeah. hurt. Yeah. Um, but you have to think about that. You have to think about that no, in of these course. redrafts. Yeah,
1: that's fair.
0: So moving on to the eighth pick, the Kings are our favorite team in these redrafts. I feel like um we're always talking about how much of a dumpster fire Sacramento was in these redrafts. Um I have them picking Jeremy Grant, who went thirty nine which was a total steal, instead of Nick Stauskas, who I think we can both agree was a horrible pick. But besides Cousins at this point, the Kings had a horrible roster. Um, Let's be honest, it it was kind of full of losers. I hate to say that, but it was. Those are some pretty bad teams. And I think Grant would have given them that spark that they desperately needed. He's a versatile wing. Um, He's shown that he can have a winning impact like he did with the Nuggets just a season ago. But, but he can also be – he's also capable of taking the reins and, and, and being that primary source on offense like he's doing with the Pistons this season. Uh, he's likely the most improved player of the year, uh, and I that's certainly an upgrade over Nick Stauskas.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, that would certainly be anyone who's better than Nick Stauskas. Um, I At this pick, I have them taking uh, Marcus Smart. It's finally time. There's not much available left. He's a better – he's a good player – like you said, glue guy. Not can't rely on him to score, but you know a solid player. And it'd be interesting to watch him and Demarcus Cousins on the same team. Yes, it would.
0: On to the ninth pick, the Hornets. I've got them picking T.J. Warren, who went 14th instead of Noah Vonleh. I think that'd be a they'd like that pick back. Bubble Warren, he would have gone higher, uh, but you know it's a good draft class when when you've got T.J. Warren still available at nine. Uh, The Hornets had Kemba at point guard, Al Jefferson at center in in 2014. So what they needed really was wing depth. And that's exactly where Warren fits in, I think. Uh, This is a guy who's more than capable of averaging 20 points per game. Uh, It sucks that he's out for the season. Um, I think any team would love to have him, especially this deep in the
1: lottery. Yeah. So I have Warren at 10, Um, giving you a preview of my 10th pick. But at number nine, I do have uh clint capella he's been a solid center actually you know i'd say one of the more underrated centers in the nba you know he's just he's been a valuable asset on the teams he's been on especially the rockets when they had harden and chris paul i mean he he was surprisingly probably their third best player on that team despite not making a huge impact and you know what he averages a double double so that's an important stat line to know and I, I think you know he's just he's a, he's a solid player on a team that most teams would like to have i mean if you have another star on your team you'd like to have clint capella down there in yep. the paint. which leads me to my number 10 pick all the reasons you said i have tj warren he's a good player when you can get him at 10 i mean in a redraft that's pretty good especially after 2013's draft so tj warren goes number 10 and that rounds it out yep my 10th pick the
0: 76ers i've also got picking clint capella and i want to talk about that a little bit uh clint capella like you said he's a great player and i think him being on houston people were kind of like they thought it was fool's gold back then because he was playing with harden who was getting him a lot of open looks and and he played with guys like chris paul um so so i feel like he didn't get the credit he deserved because he was a great player but this year on the hawks he's looked great um The 76ers, I feel like, could have gone with um, a lot of different players here, like I said. Uh, I've got them picking Levine at three, so a center makes the most sense here. Um, You know, it could have been Nurkic, but we talked about he's a a little injury-prone. And Capella truly is the perfect traditional big. Um, you know, you you can debate all you want whether that's valuable anymore. But a few months ago against the Timberwolves, I wanted to key in on this game because it's amazing. He put up 13 points, 19 rebounds, and 10 blocks. Um, And I feel like that alone is worthy of being a top 10 pick.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So that's our top 10. Yeah, all right. Moving on to under the
0: spotlight this week, we have Kansas, the Kansas Jayhawks. And Kansas really does seem like a great school to dissect on this segment. Um they have the fourth most players in the NBA with 11, which is a lot. Uh and they always have a great team capable of making a deep run in March Madness, except this year didn't didn't work out as expected after last year. Kind of got gipped last year cuz they were the favorite to win. Um so you've got Asabuki, Devin Dotson, Joel Embiid, Devonte Graham, Josh Jackson, Ben McLemore, the Morris twins. Svi, Mikhailuk, Wiggins, and Ubre. Um, the first thing that I see is they've got a they've got a lot of wings, l- like athletic wings. Uh, Wiggins, Ubre, Mclemore, Jackson. Uh, but what I think is more telling about this Kansas program isn't the players on this list, but the ones who aren't. Uh, Kansas has been fortunate enough to receive a number of top recruits over the years, but but I find it concerning when you when you see uh, this amount. Of former top recruits who never make it to the NBA, or once they get there, they don't last long. Uh, And I have a few right here. I can list them off. Josh Selby, class of 2010, five-star recruit. He was ranked third in the nation, and he went on to be the 49th pick of the draft. And that pretty much sums up his career. Cliff Alexander. He went undrafted in 2015 after being the fourth, the fourth-ranked recruit in the nation for Kansas. He played just one year in the NBA. You've got Xavier Henry, a five-star Kansas recruit. We're seeing a theme here. Class of 2009, ranked sixth nationally. He was actually drafted 12th overall, which sounds great, but he never really amounted to much in the NBA. Then you've got recently Czech Diallo, yet another five-star recruit for Kansas, ranked fifth in the nation. He bounced around the league for a bit, which is a bit more than these guys, um, these other guys, but nothing you'd expect out of the fifth-ranked guy in the nation. Or how about Wayne Seldon, Billy Preston, like the list could go on. Uh, these are all five star, highly ranked Kansas recruits who either failed to live up to expectations in the NBA or who never really made it there. And I yeah. promise you, you you're going to I know what you're going to do. I promise I'm not cherry picking. And sure, you can you can find a number of former recruits, top recruits from other schools who didn't pan out as expected, but not this many. Uh, this is a trend. For,
1: and I guess the other thing that's interesting to me is for as much success as Kansas has had I mean they've made the final four several times in the last decade and I know all the players in the NBA are from the past decade but none of the f- players are from that recently I mean Josh Jackson was the last player that was picked very high recently that was back in 2017 I mean that's four years ago now besides that Uber in 2015 Wiggins in 2014 Embiid in 2014 Macklemore who didn't turn out to be anything in twenty thirteen, but he was picked high. Since then, there's really I mean, guys have not been picked high. Udoka Azabuki, as much as I like him, he's not an NBA player. Devon Dotson, not really anything. Devonte Graham's been a solid player, but you know. He wasn't a high pick. He wasn't exactly expected to do well. And frankly, the guys that are making an impact in the NBA are older, besides Devontae Graham and I guess maybe Josh Jackson. I mean, I think it's a stretch to call him much of an impact player. You know, the Morris brothers, like, I guess they're they're making an impact. You know, you can say Embiid, obviously. Wiggins and Oubre on the Warriors are making somewhat of an impact. I mean, even more, I'd say even a significant impact on that team. Although they did lose by 53 points tonight. Wow. Cannot believe I'm saying that. But they did not set the record for worst loss in NBA history. But Bummer. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it with Wings. But I think the biggest shock to me is that Kansas hasn't had a solid player in the NBA for oh, well over five years. Yeah,
0: and of course you've got Joel Embiid and Wiggins and Oubre, like you talked about. But aside from them, I mean, there really aren't many notable Kansas players in the NBA right now, like you were saying, which which is somewhat surprising considering Kansas is a consistent powerhouse when it comes to college basketball. And I, I think this is just another classic case that, it, it, you know, this just goes to show that college success, unfortunately, doesn't always translate to NBA success.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. But let's move on. Two. where'd he go we each give each other players from the nba and we have to guess where they went to college i'll give you the first one you know he's from the raptors he's embarrassed the warriors tonight but he's been embarrassed bigger because anthony edwards dunked over him this season not jumped over him but dunked over him sent him to the ground where did Utah watanabe go to oh Utah watanabe i am the Biggest Utah Watanabe fan, so you
0: you, my friend, are not gonna do well on this one. He went to uh oh, hopefully I don't blow it. He went to George Washington, I believe. That's correct. Yes. W- okay, wait, wait, wait. Was I up by one or were you up by one last You're time? You're up by one. I'm You're up by one. one. Okay, Utah Watanabe. I got that one. Uh, okay, I'll right I'll go right back at you. This one might be too easy. He's on the Hawks. Kevin Herter. He's having a good
1: season. Where did he go? Kevin Herter. I didn't even realize he went to college in the United States, much less, uh, much less uh, college at all. I mean, well, I mean, I haven't really heard of him before this. I'm going to go with Wake Forest, ACC. I don't know. It feels like a West a East Coast type of guy. Uh,
0: you weren't totally wrong. Uh, you were a little off. He went to Maryland.
1: <laughs> Oof, tough. I had no idea. Well, how does the wrong start for me? My second player is Edmund Sumner. Oh, Edmund
0: Sumner. See, okay, I remember he's he, starting right now. By the way. yeah, uh, he was on the Cavs for a bit. He's having a good season on the Pacers, and he's not young anymore. He used to be. I remember when he was a young guard had potential. Oh gosh, Edmund Sumner. Now I feel like he's one of the guys who went to like a really obscure college. And was kind of their star player. Um, I have no clue. Edmund Sumner. He feels like an East Coast guy, too. Um, I'm going to say, not ACC. Could be Big East. <sighs> Edmund Sumner. I'm going to say, no, I'm, maybe not Big East. You know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to say he went to
1: Texas. You had it right when you said Big East. He went to Xavier. Oh, gosh. Well, bummer. So (laughs) close, no cigar. Who is your second player? My second guy,
0: Will Barton. He's the ultimate glue guy. The Nuggets. Will Uh, Barton, where'd he
1: go? Feels like an American player. American conference. I'm gonna go Cincinnati. Well, Memphis. I had the right conference. That's a bummer. But on to the final player here. Where? Let's see who. I have two names and I'm deciding who I want to give to you. I think I know. Now it's not loaded. Now. Um, Let's see. Where did. Where did. DJ Augustine go to college? He went to college? Oh, no.
0: Oh, did he? Okay, DJ Augustine. Hmm, okay, I'm thinking Syracuse, but uh, that doesn't seem right. DJ Augustine. And he went to college? Yes, he did. Okay. He's definitely an East Coast guy. Hmm. DJ Augustine. Wow. Um, I don't know, St. John's?
1: You had it right when you guessed the South the first time. you switch enough, the Big Ten in the South, it was Texas. Was it? Oh, no. All right. So, one for two, I need this one to tie.
0: Yep. okay. This guy went to three colleges. I'll let you, if you guess one of them right, I'll give it to you. Jay Crowder.
1: Did he go to Marquette? Yeah. Let's Uh, go. I knew that. He also
0: went to Howard and South Georgia Tech. So I would have given you a point if you got that. So wait, wait. Are you tied or are you in the lead
1: now? I'm down by one. Yep. Because I missed two. So still down by one. I will catch up next week. I say that every week. But that is all for today. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the final four this weekend, the championship game on Monday. We will be back next week. So long.